0: Hello tennis fans and welcome to episode 23 of The Passing Shot. Please take your seats quickly ladies and gentlemen,
1: thank you. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Passing Shot, your tennis catch-up podcast. I'm Kim, the self-confessed Queen of Clay, and once again I'm joined by Joel, our wandering wildcard. So today we'll be looking back at the last couple of weeks on the tennis circuit, post-Australian Open, with a special focus on the team events that have been taking place. And in honour of St Valentine's Day, we'll be looking at love in the game of tennis. How are you doing today, Joel?
0: Hi, Kim. How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks. I'm really, really excited about this special edition of the party shot where we're going to talk about love at the end of the episode. <laughs> Valentine's Day coming up seems appropriate. So I'm really I'm getting in the mood. I'm, I'm getting in the mood. I'm looking, I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about all the different tennis couples on, on the tour. But aside from that, there's lots of other things to talk about as well. As you said, lots of team tennis, there's been tour events going on as well. And we've had clay events, we've had hardcore events, there's different surfaces coming in. So yeah, there's lots to to talk about.
1: Yeah, exactly. All around the world as well. It's uh, sort of after Australian Open, it's just like split, everyone's gone all over the place. So let's begin with, I guess, the most exciting thing that's happened, uh, I think, for most British tennis fans anyway. Um, And that's been the Fed Cup over the last like few days or so. Totally amazing results down in Bath for great britain we've had katie balter and johanna conter kind of being i don't know like the queens of british tennis by being unbeaten in their singles matches so they both have won all four of their singles uh matches to put britain back in to the playoffs for the world group two really exciting matches loads of slam dingers three setters yep. last final set tie, tie breaks. breaks yep Epic matches. I think, you know, the fans, it was a sellout, wasn't it? The fans thoroughly enjoyed it. Absolutely amazing atmosphere. Um, I wish I could have been there myself, but just following it online and and all of the sort of everyone tweeting from, from Bath, um, it just, it seemed like it was an absolutely kind of, amazing event and well-deserved because it's been such a long time since we've hosted
0: yeah it's um, been the Fed Cup. it's been 26 years since we last hosted uh, a home fed cup tie which when i when i read that i was like that means this has been way long overdue and you know now that i guess we're into a playoff i'm just really hoping that we get a home tie
1: yeah i know it'd be great to build on you know the event this week and I don't know if, if, if we did get a home tie, if they might, I don't know where they would host the next event. Because obviously the capacity of, of this arena was pretty small, but I guess that meant that it was a sellout and the crowd, but, you know, totally on the ball. <laughs> so I don't know if they might go slightly bigger if we got a home tie, but, you know, that will have to remain to be seen. But, I mean, just, I remember we were talking to Lee, who runs the uh, Tennis on tele account. He's been down in Bath um, over the last week. If anyone hasn't listened to that interview, you can find that on our website and on all our social media channels and podcasting platforms. Uh, That's episode 22. But just to give you a bit of context, um, he was down in Bath. Loads of the British fans went down there. It was really great, you know, for our women to have, you know, home support. Because, as you said, it's something that they haven't really had, like... I mean, for all of you know, the current players—they've—they've they've never had a home Fed Cup tie. So, yeah, um, and they did so so well. I mean, Jo Conta in her last match against Krunic, uh, the Serbian girl—you know, she was close to fainting. She was, you know, so light-headed. She had to go and lie down, and that just shows you the amount of effort she had exerted, you know, for you know, for the last couple of days.
0: Yeah, I saw I saw that match, and I was thinking when that happened. It gave me flashbacks to when Andy Murray in the uh, GB tie versus France at the Queens club, he had like a similar moment I felt against Simon when he was setting the break down, And it, he was obviously very visibly tired from all the exertions he had put onto the court. And I felt Conta went through a similar kind of a similar moment. And, you know, the Fed Cup does not pull any punches. It is a very, it, it can be a very exhausting and intense, um, you know, match on match, no recovery time. And it was quite clear that Conta was, was feeling that.
1: Yeah, in many ways, it's it's more intense than Davis Cup, you know, playing four singles matches in four days. Uh, and obviously some players would, would play the doubles as well. Um, I just think, you know, they've really, you know really gone for it and just proven their worth so much. It's been absolutely fantastic and amazing performances, you know, to clinch those victories from uh, Katie Balter and Joe Conta. And then we will see on Tuesday who we get in the draw for the playoff um, in April. And actually we've fallen at this stage four times in the last seven years. Uh, Last year we lost to Japan, which actually featured Naomi Osaka um, and we lost on the doubles rubber in that one. So, Fingers crossed we'll get a home tie and a decent matchup uh, for April and we can actually go one step further this year.
0: Yeah, and what I really liked about the Fed Cup was that it gave like new players. We had obviously Katie Balter, Harriet Dart was there. Katie Swan playing in the doubles. It gave these players that you know a lot of the you know, a lot of GB fans who might not be aware of them. It gave them a chance to see what they can do on a tennis court. And you know, Katie Boulter, as you said, kind of four wins in four matches, coming in in place of uh, Heather Watson, who who ha- who was who had an illness. You know, she really kind of took that opportunity, and yeah, she's going to be. You know, she's she's performed very well um, in her, like, Fed Cup debut.
1: Yeah, I think she'll be the, the one to go for, you know, over Heather Watson. I mean, she's higher ranked now. So I think with her and Joe, like, it's a, it's a good team. And as you said, I think it gives them a showcase, doesn't it, for, for fans that might not have seen too much of them play. And hopefully it can, you know, getting four strong wins under her belt and really fighting through and winning close matches. So that will only help her for the rest of, of, of the season, I, I can imagine. And so the next tie, yeah, April, will be the next event. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get another home tie and we'll see if the if the girls can go even further because that would be amazing. Yeah, the,
0: um, yeah the, I, I was going to say, Kim, the, the tournament didn't go off without controversy because I noticed that there were a few line calls that some of the opponents were not particularly happy with. I think one of the players, I think Sakari... From Greece said some of the worst line calls she's seen in her career so there was definitely some talking points there (laughs) on whether there was any sort of favoritism possibly given to to GB Hmm.
1: well there's always going to be some controversies in there so yeah well we'll see about that but um, I don't know if you followed much of the other Fed Cup uh, news in the world group we have had most of the results come in for who's going to be who's gone through to the semi-finals. So Belarus beat Germany. So Belarus have actually got a really strong team. They've got Sabalenka, Sasnovic, and Azarenka. So they arguably are the team to beat, I think this year. Uh, France beat Belgium. So Caroline Garcia back in Fed Cup action. She beat Elise Merton. So again, you know, getting some really good matches um, really, you know, top players in these ties. And then, Uh, the Czech Republic were playing Romania. So that meant we had a Halep-Plishkova matchup, which uh, was a a great three-set match. Uh, Halep coming through that one to lead Romania into the semis. So really good matches. Uh, America are playing... um, America playing USA? America playing Australia. But as we're recording this, they are still playing that. So we don't know the outcome of that one. And then we also had wins for Switzerland, Latvia, Spain and Canada. So they're in the World Group Two, and they're now going to be playing in the World Group Playoffs later in the year um, after their victories. So lots of go, lots of stuff going on in women's team tennis. Some great matches, and yeah, I think it's been really, really great to have you know the Fed Cup in Britain. And let's hope, let's hope we have another tie here as well.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been great. And obviously, whilst the Fed Cup has been going on, Davis Cup has also been going on. Yes, now yes, now Davis Cup has been in the spotlight over the last kind of six months with you know for anyone who's not aware uh, with a new sponsor Cosmo uh, an investment firm that's been fronted by uh, Spanish footballer Barcelona legend Gerard Pique and they have made some pretty sweeping changes that has not sat well with everyone now there will be a final that's being held in Madrid for the top Uh, 18 nations and i think six of those have already been set um, and gb was one of them who were given a wild card so uh, the first kind of the round of matches we've just had were all the qualifiers for the finals and so we had belgium versus brazil belgium won germany beat hungary 5-0 colombia sweden colombia won 4-0 serbia russia won uh, away to Switzerland, Chile as well, away to Austria, Australia, Kazakhstan, Canada, Italy, Netherlands, and Japan all won their fixtures, so they have now going to be part of the Davis Cup finals uh, later on in the year in no- in November, so they will join so who will they join they well, we've got
1: Croatia who won last season. And uh, also France, the runners up, and then yeah. USA, we had Spain Argentina. and USA, yeah. Yeah, semi-finalists. and then we got a wild card with Argentina. Yeah. So it's going to be eighteen countries in total. Um, yeah, that's what, late November. I just, for me, it's just that is the end of the season. Players are <laughs> going to be shattered. I just think it's like the worst timing for something. I mean, okay. You know, fair enough, the Davis Cup final is usually at that time of year, but that's affecting, you know, two countries, teams, not 18. I just, I know we've discussed this before. I just think it's very, uh it, it remains to be seen how many of the top players will turn up um, and how successful this is going yeah. to be.
0: And And also kind of, that might be one kind of talking point further down the line, but a talking point right now that the rankings updated after you know after these results and quite a few nations were not happy with how the ranking points were assigned basically if you if you go onto the website and you look at the ranking formula for a total ranking point of each nation it's a very very confusing formula it looks like something out of a a maths exam doesn't it kim
1: university challenge (laughs) Oh yeah, I think you need a degree in maths or I don't know quantum physics to to work out players' rankings now. <laughs> yeah, a bit bizarre, but I think there have been quite a few sporting bodies that weren't very happy with that.
0: Yeah, so we had like, uh, we had Monaco. Monaco actually came out and said it was sportingly unacceptable how yeah. the uh, the ranking the ranking points have changed, and that kind of stance was backed by other countries including Luxembourg, Poland, Montenegro, Estonia, Namibia and Kenya. So Amazing. Obviously not everyone is on board, you know, with with some of these changes that are happening. And it's interesting that it obviously the nations that are speaking up are kind of the you know, are the are the smaller nations and yeah. you know, maybe it might be okay with with obviously some of the bigger nations, but you know, tennis is a global sport and these nations need to be represented and at the moment it's kind of like they're almost being let they feel like they're being let down by, you know, this global team tennis tournament.
1: Well, I guess Gerard Piquet and his thirty billion dollars doesn't really care about the Namibian Tennis Federation, which is shockingly sad. And I just think imagine if Roger Federer set up a company and decided to go in and change the Champions League. I just feel there would be a much more of an outcry amongst like the sporting world but it just seems like someone's coming in imposing themselves on tennis without fully understanding you know the 118 year history of the davis cup and it's just being ruined but we'll see yeah. try and remain diplomatic <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know i'm sure they
0: can bring up a new ranking formula uh hopefully there's not as complex but probably will be yeah. that could kind of you know take on board some of these kind of this obviously this feedback from the the smaller nations because i think you know that's certainly something that needs to be addressed Addressed. kind of going forward um absolutely but yeah that kind of wraps up our kind of focus on on team tennis on davis cup and on fed cup but whilst all this was going on as well we also had tournaments on the atp and wta circuit and i think kim you're going to talk to us a little bit about what's been going on the wta circuit
1: I am indeed. So uh, not the week just gone, the week before we had St. Petersburg and we had Kiki Burton's winning that one. So she got her first title of the year and she actually had some really um, strong matches to get that title. So she um, had avenged quite a few of the losses that she had out in Australia at the start of the season. Um, She's had some really close losses out in like Brisbane and Sydney and at AO itself against like Donna Vekic, Barty, Pavlochenkova. So she came into St. Petersburg and, and actually managed to beat Pavlochenkova and and then Vekic in the final, get our revenge. And she also, also beat Sabalenka. So really top, top wins. And she won the final in straight sets. So obviously Kiki Burtons is in the top 10 and she is, she's number eight in the world now. So strong performance from Kiki Burtons to clinch that one. Interestingly, I know we said about that tournament on our sort of second to last episode, we were wondering if Kvitova was actually going to play after, you know, the AO Mm. final. But she did. She did play in the end. So good on her (laughs) for turning up. Um, but I'm sure, you know, she was pretty shattered after AO. Yeah, I can imagine. And then we also had out uh, in Thailand, we had the Hua Hin tournament. And this one, um, actually, Diana Yastremska, who was the Ukrainian, uh, really young Ukrainian girl who lost to Serena in, I think, was it the third round of the AO? But she won uh, the Hua Hin open so she beat Tom in the final in three sets and that's actually her second title so she is getting those titles again you know really young player one to watch coming up Um, interestingly we've had eight WTA events and one you know slam this year so far and four of those champions have been 21 or younger so just the youth are really doing their business on the women's tour at the moment
0: yeah i did notice that uh ben ben rothenberg tweeted that in the final your strength scratchy was five two down in the in the final set yes had a medical timeout and then reeled off kind of you know the final set (laughs) so i know Mm. that the the handshake was not particularly
1: yeah
0: captivating uh,
1: yeah (laughs) it was a special
0: handshake between uh, the two players
1: (laughs) And Toplanovic, you know, she has been in four singles finals now and hasn't won any of them. So she was probably thinking, I'm finally, you know, going to break my title duck. And it wasn't to be. Um, But interestingly, this is one thing I I saw, I think, in one of the interviews. Yastrzemska's mother had a bit of an accident at the Australian Open with an exploding champagne bottle, which left her eye injured. So she had to go back and have an operation. So I think Yastremska yeah, said she was a bit like distracted by this uh, champagne incident. Um, I wonder but, yeah, what they, were they celebrating. must have been partying quite hard. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you know her losing to Serena in AO. Um, I mean, I don't know. Why? Why not? You know, have some champagne. It was her
0: eighteenth but... birthday. I don't
1: know. Oh, maybe yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, she's wanted to watch. I think Yastremska. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the women's events that went on before Fed Cup uh, this week.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting. You talk, you were talking about youth, and you know, your strengths is obviously one of the you know an eighteen year old, very up and coming, one to watch for the future. And if we kind of look at twenty nineteen so far in terms of WTA events, really kind of a lot of the a lot of the champions are are really are kind of that up and coming crop of players. We've got four yeah, current exactly. champions, twenty-one years or younger, with Osaka, Sabalenka, Kenin from the Kenin, United States, yeah. and Yastrzemska.
1: Yeah, and also Andreescu reached the final of oh, was it Auckland, and she's eighteen years old. Yeah, the age, that was I why think, she the came Canadian. through qualifying there, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. And obviously Osaka, you know, new one, new world number one, only twenty-one. So it's kind of like. You know, many years ago, the women play, you know, they were breaking through extremely early, you know, um, and then it kind of didn't quite happen quite so much. And now I think they're just egging each other on. (laughs) So uh, it's kind of completely different, really, isn't it, to the men's game where we've still got 30 pluses dominating. Mm talking of the men's game we've had a few uh tournaments a few 250s going on haven't we yeah we have they've been they've
0: been all around the world we can start actually in argentina in the cordoba open which is is a a new tournament new tournament making its debut this year and actually it marks the first clay court tournament of the season and i didn't i didn't know this actually kim but it's the opening leg of the five tournament swing through latin america which apparently is known as the golden swing Ooh, yeah so is it now (laughs) yeah is it now i don't know yeah golden swing so uh the city of cordoba 435 miles uh, northwest of buenos aires you know this was a very much uh, a clay court clay court specialist in in south america I love and, how
1: specific you are with the geography of where well, can, this you know my geography you know
0: geography is very much a strong strong point uh, of yes, mine. yes of
1: course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah a very very promising tournament for a wildcard uh, by the name of Juan Ignacio Londero. Now we must say the Condero Open final hasn't been played yet it's going on uh whilst we uh it'll, it'll be going on this evening but uh, in the final it'll be Londero versus another Argentinian uh who is uh Guido Pella so it'll mm-hmm. be uh whoever wins it will be a- an Argentinian but Londero very kind of, <laughs> of never heard of him world yeah. number 112 previously zero and three on the ATP tour so not a lot of kind of form form going into it but came in as a wild card and bang he's in in the final and he beat um he beat del in in the semis i think i think it was love and one it was like almost like uh just under an hour so he's obviously got some some skills on a on a clay court and yeah he's coming up against uh Pella, who will be in his fourth atp tour final and he's hoping that fourth one will be the actually the one he wins because he's 0 three so far um, he came through uh, 6-1, 3-6, 6 six one three six six three in the semi-finals, so that'll be you know an interesting matchup that I'm sure is gonna it's gonna leave the crowd happy regardless of the result because it's going to have a, a, Local home, a homegrown champion
1: also I feel like all of those players are just they're just loving the golden swing like <laughs> Quavas, del Bonis you know they're just like classic. South American clay quarters that totally in their element. Go, they
0: want to make the most of the golden swing, Kim, and, and, and this Cordoba's is where they get their the only, only the start.
1: Yeah, this will set them up for the rest of the season. Although Londero, he actually won two challengers last year, so he's you know on on the rise. But yeah, I personally had never heard of him. uh Some of our listeners may be annoyed at that. You know, if if he's been on your radar, let us know. But we'll certainly know who he is, you know, now, and maybe maybe he'll go all the way. We shall see.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's let's see who who, who are you backing. You backing Londero?
1: Oh, I don't know. I feel like Payas' experience mm. and the fact that you know he hasn't actually won a final yet. Uh oh no, i will going with Londero. I'll, I'll um, obviously by the time this episode is released, the final will have been done. So he will remains to be seen i, but... I feel
0: like i'm going <laughs> to stick with i'm going to stick with Pella. i think he's okay, well, said he's I'll got the longer. experience <laughs> and yeah he i'm hoping that unlike tob tob he's going to get what he deserves break he's going to break yeah. his duck and, and win his uh, maiden maiden title atp title so we had that going on in cordoba in argentina uh in kind of closer to home in montpellier we had the uh, montpellier open and again, this is a tournament historically dominated by French players. And surprise, surprise, who won? Another Frenchman. It was Joe Wilfred Songer, uh, who captured his first ATP Tour title in more than 15 months, beating his countryman Pierre-Houer-Herbert, 6 So, yeah, another kind of battle of, 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 of the Frenchies and, uh, yeah, Songa coming out on top. Obviously, Songa has had you know, he had to take time off last season to have knee surgery. And, you know, he's obviously progressing very well coming back from that knee surgery. He's put in some very good performances and yeah, has has kind of added another trophy to his collection.
1: Yeah, no, it's great that he's like back up, back on the tour after being out of his injury. But just a note about uh, Bear, like he's becoming a real good all-rounder because that was actually his third singles final. And You know, he's just won the Australian Open doubles and completed the career doubles Grand Slam. And now he's going to be up to like 36 in the singles ranking. Yeah, which is really amazing. Like, he's making a name for himself. Do you think he is the best singles and doubles player on the tour? It's like, if you look at at the the rankings? I think, yeah, I I feel like I can't think of anyone else who would be as highly ranked in both. Um, In the men's game anyway. Yeah, any of our listeners, if you can think of someone else who is such a, you know, dark horse off both sides, like, let us know, because he seems to always be being mentioned on this podcast. Um, and I feel like we, we owe him one, because I don't think either of us can pronounce his name <laughs> quite correctly. <laughs> so, sorry.
0: Yeah, So um, so that was going on in France, and then in Sofia, in Bulgaria, we had one of the up and coming next gen in daniel medvedev continue a very very solid start to, to 2019 he defeated martin Fuskovitz 6-4 and 6-3 in Sunday's final medvedev uh, that was his first title in 2019 and his season so far 11 and 2 in terms of win loss record he is he's being very very consistent very solid and you can add that to, yeah, first t- first title of 2019. And he obviously got to Brisbane final as well, where he lost to, to Nishikuri. So he is definitely someone who t- who is putting... He- he's he's getting to the the latter stages of most tournaments that, that he is entering.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he's sort of there and thereabouts, becoming quite a solid player now, hasn't he? Yeah. Also, uh, notes and the doubles of the Sofia tournament... We had Meltzer, Jürgen Meltzer, who is still going. I thought he was I know, retired. that's why I wanted to put it in. <laughs> Jürgen Meltzer. he's like from he 50? He's like from like Tim Hedman days. I remember seeing him play against uh, Tim Hedman at the Davis Cup in like 2006 at Wimbledon. So I think, yeah, was it Tim Hedman? Oh no, it was the year after. I'm confusing my Davis Cup ties here. <laughs> but yeah, I saw Meltzer play a long time ago in Davis Cup and... Here he is still going. But yeah, he was playing with Nikola Mekic and they beat uh, Shui and Rungatz, uh to win their first team title. So good on them. But yeah, so we've had a few tournaments going on on both the men's and women's tour. And we also have had some Brits in action in the singles as well as our, you know, Fed Cup. So not such great results perhaps as the Fed Cup team. But Cam Norrie's been... uh, Well, I I think he must be doing the golden swing because he was in the Cordoba Open, but he lost in the first round to Argentinian qualifier Pedro Cachin. So not a great uh, start to the clay court season for Cam. And then actually, I think today he's lost in the final round of qualifying for the Buenos Aires tournament. So not having the greatest time out in Argentina for Cam. Dan Evans. Some of you guys uh, listening may have been following Dan. But he got to the challenger final of Quimper. Great name, Quimper. Um, <laughs> uh, but he lost in three sets in the final to Gregor Barere. Um, but he's back in the top one hundred and fifty now um, as a result of that. So onwards and upwards for Dan.
0: Kim, you are missing out. Very, very easy pun here. It, it looks like Dan Evans oh. went went out on a Quimper in, in oh. the final. <laughs> Oh, yeah.
1: damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for putting that in. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it. I needed, to make, sure, I needed that. to make
0: sure we got that in there. Excellent
1: but yeah. pun. <laughs> but once again, our doubles boys are doing the business. So Luke Bambridge, Johnny O'Mara, they reached the semis in Montpellier. So another solid result for them. They actually lost to the French wildcard pairing, Benjamin Bonzi and Antoine Huang. I just think Benjamin Bonzi is like such a good name. So that one really stuck out on on for me on the draw sheet. And then, yeah, apart from that, we've had Andy. Andy Murray, of course, has had his hip resurfaced. So I think we all had a look at his x-ray, didn't we? Yeah.
0: And and the giant teddy bear he was he was yes. given from uh, yes. Stan Wawrinka and Donna Vekic.
1: I know. I love that teddy bear. It was, like, bigger than, bigger than Andy. How do like... you take
0: that on, like, a... Oh, well, I guess he got the surgery in, in the UK. Well, I was just thinking that would be an absolute
1: nightmare to take on a plane. Yeah, if... you'd have to book it as, like, oversized specialist baggage, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't even fit in a seat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the... <laughs> This was quite funny. I think this came out on on Twitter. The Association of Vascular Access uh, were not happy where, with Andy Murray's uh, picture that he tweeted of him in the hospital bed, because they were basically saying that, you know, where he had his like wires inserted were like in completely the wrong place. And yeah, this um...
0: <laughs> this story came out of completely nowhere. But yeah, I think they were obviously using it to raise awareness of vascular access, and yeah, they weren't particularly happy with the. I think with the care standards, and attention yeah. and the standards mm-hmm. that were given to him uh, based on based on that photo um if you go onto our onto our twitter feed if you scroll down you can actually see the photo that we refer, we're referring to and you can you can make you can make of it what you will but um yeah I just thought that was a bit um it was, it was a bit uh, came out of
1: came out of left like field. two worlds very opposed, colliding like the tennis and the vascular access worlds. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's a first. I think that brings us on to random scoreboard stories yeah. time. What do you have Excited. for me, Joel?
0: <laughs> scoreboard stories. So uh, this is a part of the show where we kind of highlight a irreverent, entertaining, interesting statistic, match statistic from a match of my choosing. And that match is Zvonareva versus Gerges in St. Petersburg, round two. So Zvonareva won this 4-6-6-4-6-4, you know, three-set battle, took just under two hours. What's interesting is the winner count, Zvonareva versus Gerges. So if I hadn't told you the winner, Kim, you know, 4-6-6-4-6-4, I told you one of those players hit eight winners... And one of those players hit forty-three winners. Who, which player do you think would have you think would have won that match?
1: Well, generally speaking, I would have thought the person hitting the most winners would have won. Well, um, but I'm assuming <laughs> that wasn't the case.
0: Uh, no, it wasn't at all. Zvona hit just eight winners in in her match, and yeah, came out as victor. Now, obviously looking at unforced errors this is where it kind of starts to unravel for gerges so zvonareva hit 8 winners 10 unforced errors gerges 43 winners 44 unforced errors so it just shows you don't have to hit winners to you know to win a tennis match you know i think it's a statistic a lot of people kind of are naturally gravitate towards when they look at like kind of match outcomes but zvonareva proving that you can win by you know with your opponent just throwing
1: it away (laughs) as well as i think she summarizes the three word term hit and miss uh in that match like i guess one or was just like i'm just gonna stand here and wait and see what she does yeah
0: so if you will put that on we'll put that tv graphic on our instagram page so make sure to check out uh passing shot pod and you can actually see the match statistic in all its glory um on our on our instagram page And actually, Kim, you also pointed out something to me, which I thought was quite funny, was the New York, so the New York Open is starting tomorrow, and they wanted to, you know, this is America, you know, they wanted to start the tournament with a bang, so what did they do? They started it with an exhibition match between Jim Courier and Andy Roddick. As you do. As you do, and if you go on the ATP slash WTA Live Scores app, um, for some reason it has that match, that exhibition down as the boys' final.
1: <laughs> oh, I cracked up when I saw this earlier. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, boys' final. And then I was like, hang on, this is like legends. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, how old are they? Roddick's like 36 and Jim Career is 48. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah <laughs> I, thought I thought that, I was, was, that quite was quite, quite amusing. Funny. That
0: was quite funny. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so that brings us on to kind of... Uh, our wild card section, if you like, where we just discuss random other news that's been happening in the tennis world. Um, so Simona Hallett, we mentioned her earlier. She'd beaten Pliskova today in a Fed Cup tie. But she has a new coach. So obviously at the AO, she was kind of coachless, just like muddling along herself. But she has hired uh, Thierry van Kliemput, who um, actually was spotted uh, near her player box when she lost to Serena at the AO. Um, And they've now sort of announced that um, he will be coaching her. Um, He previously was coaching David Goffin and that's just ended. So he's moved over to to Halep. So, you know, we'll see what she can do with with him. Um, Obviously, she was with Darren Cahill before. Very successful pairing they were. So we shall see what Van Kleenput will do. Um, And then just something else. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. Um, we mentioned her earlier as well, Bianca Andreescu. She's been updating her own Wikipedia page. How dare she? How dare she? I know. Well, it is accessible to everyone, right? Anyone can just go on there and, you know. But basically, she said that on Wikipedia, her height was down as five foot five. And she was like, I'm not five foot five. I'm five foot seven. So I've changed it. Um, So she kind of admitted that she was, you know... Just obviously tracking what everyone is saying about Home Wikipedia. Um so yeah, guys don't trust Wikipedia because you know <laughs> tennis players heights are obviously wrong on there. <laughs> but yeah, I think that brings us on to our last bit as well. Um yeah. so in honor of St. Valentine, um, 14th of February, you know, very special day. We have compiled a little list of what we think are like the top tennis power couples and romances. But we want you guys to like send us in your favourites and and give us like ideas because we might not have got, you know, all of them down. For me, Joel, uh, I don't know who your favourite tennis power couple is, but I have only one answer to this. Okay, Uh, for me. me, uh, Well, for me, I just this woman is like the queen of all tennis. um, I don't know, romances. And that is Mirka and her husband, Roger Federer. Um, I just think she is, like, an absolute queen because she's been there from day one and I I honestly do not think Federer would have been at all successful, well, not at all successful. I don't think he would have been as successful without her because she's, like, been there along the whole journey and she, I think she's, like, his manager. She does so much, like, for him behind the scenes and I just, she is, like, his greatest support and I just, I don't know, I just think, like, they're... Their love story is so, so lovely.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, Kim, I'm surprised you're a big
1: Rafa fan. I know, I know, but I just, I love Merker. I have to say. It's because I've spent so many times like watching, you know, Roger Rafa Grand Slam finals. And after every point, they always go, you know, the cameras always go to the player box and you just see Merker's face like living and dying with every point yeah but and, i just uh
0: yeah and, and actually it was interesting because in the, in the news uh in the last in the last week or so uh, it came out that rafa is engaged to his long-term girlfriend maria
1: he is but they think you know they uh didn't want it to be leaked so i think they weren't very happy with
0: yeah it came out in like spanish it, it came it out like out. spanish okay yeah. magazine
1: didn't it <laughs> i know so bless them i think they're supposed to be getting married in the autumn um but yeah i hope that for the wedding for their sake it's like you know a nice private affair because i'm sure that that's what they want and i hope that you know you don't get anyone sort of encroaching on that
0: um so kim we've spoken about your favorite tennis power couple i want to just quickly talk about mine um, but i kind of i'm bending the rules here because my kind of tennis power couple is radic stepanek and like the women's just generally the women's tennis tour he you know for for listeners uh who aren't aware radek sepenyek he has he has had some high profile relationships with women tennis players um he was engaged to martina hingis um and kind of moving one step on with nicole vydasova uh kim she oh sorry he he, ma- he married her didn't he twice <laughs> he, he married her twice
1: yeah, so they were married, and then they split up. And then Stepanek, uh, I'm sure he was dating Kvitova for a short period of time. But now Stepanek is back with Vyda so they remarried, and they now have a child together. Wow. So <laughs> there must be something about him that, you know, must it's be... It's his uh, forehand. His forehand, I'm sure, is very appealing to the female players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, aside from that, obviously we have, you know, the classic Andre Agassi, Steffi Graf. You know, very nice romantic story that uh, started in the late 90s. They danced together at Wimbledon and, you know, the rest is history. Uh, Who else have we got? Uh, Dominic Thiem and Kristina Mladenovic. They've been quite soppy on some of their Instagram posts.
0: The fact that they're They're
1: both,
0: yeah, they're the highest ranked active tennis couple yeah
1: i think they are aren't they but i'm sure stan Wawrinka and donna Vekic wouldn't be too far behind in the rankings um and they obviously sent that lovely teddy bear to andy murray so they've got they've got bonus points from me uh they obviously appreciate you know romantic gestures and then obviously at the ao we had alina svitalina and Gail feast they announced their relationship with that joint instagram account
0: Yeah. And and they've been posting, like, for it seems like every post is almost the same. It's like an undying uh, love for each other. Collection of love. Yeah. This
1: <laughs> so is what sport can do to people. <laughs> um, and then I didn't know this, but Madison Keys and Bjorn Fratangelo uh, have recently announced their relationship. Uh, so Fratangelo is one of those players he's sort of there and thereabouts. I've like I've heard of him, never really seen him play. But he's just outside the top hundred, um, and then uh, we had uh, Flavia Panetta. She's married to Fabio Fognini, Fognini. Mm. and they have a baby together. So she married him quite soon after she won the U.S. Open. So yeah, lots of lots of tennis couples. If we've missed any out, please give us a shout. Um, I think there are quite a few other couples. Yeah. That we uh, we could discuss. Kim, I've just I've just thought of something actually quite oh, yeah. interesting.
0: Let's just say, right, Hopman Cup is dead now, and in that space, we need another kind of mixed tennis event. Why don't we have like a mixed tennis event for couples <laughs> on the tour? And, <laughs> and or and,
1: yeah, and, I suppose and
0: hypothetically, you look at those the, the people. <laughs> yeah, who would win of the people we've said? Who who do you think would
1: come out on top? Uh, I would say Stad and Donna Vekic, oh. I think. Mm. Well, it depends what surface, though, I think. Um, And also, would they be playing mixed doubles or would it be like singles, rubbers, doubles, rubbers? Mixed doubles. Mixed doubles. Mixed doubles. Hmm. I mean, got Nick Kyrgios. He's actually dating Tom Ljanovic. Mm.
0: So. I, I still think the favourites would be, be Sitalina and Monfils, she actually. She thinks so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They might be the flashiest, you know. Matches is always <laughs> quite fun. So, I mean, Merka herself was a tennis player. Mm-hmm. People forget. So she was as ranked as high as seventy six in the world in two thousand and one. So if she could, you know, dust off her rackets and play with with Roger, you know, they could uh, they could be quite a <laughs> put on quite a show. But um, I'm just waiting for the day where their kids, you know, their two sets of twins, potentially become tennis players. And they could just like totally dominate Swiss tennis for like a lifetime. Yep.
0: It's an it's an yeah. It's inevitable. It's <laughs> inevitable.
1: It's got to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so send us your thoughts on, you know, top tennis romances. Um, and anything else we've discussed in this podcast, we do love to hear your feedback and your thoughts. And you can find us on all our social media channels uh, at Pod on Twitter and Instagram and also on Facebook. So please do um, remember to check us out, give us a rating, a thumbs up, five stars, uh, tell all your friends. Uh, we really do appreciate the uh, support and your feedback.
0: Yeah, uh, we, yeah, we really do. And yeah, remember to kind of subscribe to us on all the podcasting platforms out there on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any podcasting platform you can think of we're probably on it just search the passing shot tennis podcast so i think that about wraps it up for this episode kim do you have any any final thoughts
1: no i'm just looking forward to what's going to happen in the new york tennis tournament with i don't know if the boys tennis is um (laughs) actually legends will the the men's tennis be like called babies tennis or something <laughs> i'm just intrigued as to what's gonna happen with uh, with that um no we'll be back in what two weeks i think uh, with our summary of the next couple of weeks on the tour so thanks for listening everyone and we will see you uh next time <laughs>